0: The bat costs a dollar more than the ball, okay? You guys have that registered so far? Okay, all right. How much does the ball cost? Okay, need some feedback. Todd Titus? 10 cents. Okay, he's paying 10 cents, and I heard someone say 25 cents, okay? Okay, he's a surveyor, but math obviously was not his major, but, um, <laughs> um, anybody else? You already gave. Me. Are you changing your answer? Okay. Come on, it's just a trick question. Come on, yeah. come on, give give us some feedback. Okay. Okay. And the bat and ball cost a dollar in total. If the bat costs a dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? Okay. My wife makes ten cents too anybody else everyone in agreement who wants to make the first motion that's 10 cents anyone want to make that motion jamie and titus first and second all in agreement say amen if you're not sure say oh my <laughs> all right so we don't have any other answers okay so so you guys thought it was a very really, true really question huh it actually is because that's wrong okay it's not ten cents. I did not ask what's the difference. Okay, so the answer is actually five cents. Okay, okay. If the ball costs ten cents and the bat costs ten dollars more than the ball, then the bat would cost a dollar ten for a total of a dollar twenty. So it couldn't be. It couldn't be ten cents. Okay, so if it's a dollar more. Ten cents. It would then make a dollar twenty. I so the question is in total. Yeah. yeah. So it's sure. question? A bat and ball cost a dollar ten in total. The bat cost a dollar more than the ball. Okay. Okay. The correct answer to this problem is that the ball costs five cents and the bat costs a um, dollar more, a dollar and five cents. So, if it's a dollar more, it's a dollar and five cents, plus the five cents for the ball. can kid, it be four cents, and then a dollar and five cents. Okay, so then what we knew, what would Okay, it's a dollar ten in total. I got you, brother, you're struggling. Um, the bat and the ball, that was ball from like 1.1, the, uh, bat is 2b divided by 2 is a B equals 0.1 divided by 2, which is B equals 0.25. Uh, you got algebraic. So how many cents is cents. So 5 cents, see? See? That was right. So you say I'm overcomplicating and That sounds more complicated <laughs> than B. <you. laughs> uh, but so see, yeah. So you have the ball as 5 cents. Okay? The bat is a dollar more than the ball. A dollar more would be a dollar and five cents. So you take a dollar and five cents plus the five cents equals a dollar ten. Okay? Okay? You got it? Did everyone else get it yet? Okay? I didn't ask. Faith. And again, by faith, it doesn't mean that we're completely illogical or that we're intentionally ignorant. Okay? So there's a balance um, in it. But we see, okay, with Philip, okay, the four biblical list of the 12 apostles, the fifth name on every list is Philip. And remember, they were kind of mentioned in categories, you got like Peter, James, and John. They're mentioned a lot together. And then there's another four that are what um, was more, that were mentioned often together, and they're kind of usually in this similar word order, name order. Uh, um, that Philip is the fifth on each time, which means possibly that he was maybe the leader of the second and third group, or of the second group of uh, four. Uh, we see like Matthew 10:3, Philip and like Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the publican, and so Philip the other names I believe are sometimes mentioned in a different order there, but Philip is mentioned consistently as number four, kind of like Peter is consistently mentioned as number one in order. You see he's from Bethsaida. Um, Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So they're coming from the same city on these three of them. so that's just north of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, He's probably a professional fisherman as well. Um, We see in John 21, verse 2, There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Ephemiel of Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They said to him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. And so it's possible that where it says these two other disciples could well have been Andrew and Philip, in which case the group comprised the Galilee 7 within the Apostolic 12, and they would be the 7 from around the sea of Galilee. And so if all 7 of these men were professional fishermen, they could have likely already had been friends or at least close co-workers um, before they had been Followed after Jesus. Um, this shows really a close knit group the apostles were, um, with at least half of the group, including all the core members, having come from one small region, most likely engaged in the same occupation. And so, possibly already known each other. We see what Philip's called. We see he is the first one whom Jesus it shows physically sought out. Um, the first one to whom Jesus actually said, follow me. Philip's seeking heart is evident in how he responded to Jesus. You know, he says, we have found him. In John 145 it says, Philip's line of Nathaniel, and say unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write." Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and the family said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Folks, come and see. Okay, here you see where it's very good to be analytical. That he is gathering from the facts that he has seen, that this must be he who is written from the law of Moses, from the prophets. This is him. So he's being analytical, and he's having a faith that this is him. And he goes and finds others to say, we have found the Christ. We found him. Can you imagine if you were there in that day in a baptism? No, you're trying to process it all. You're wanting to make sure, you want to test the spirit, so to speak, to really know for sure, is this him? Before you follow just some type of made up call following, and then when you get convinced, this is him. This is it. You know, he knew the Old Testament promises. He was aware of the scriptures, He, he was ready. We see a Apostle of he was expecting, he was looking forward to the day that Jesus would be coming, the Messiah would come. He was prepared, his heart was prepared. And he received Jesus gladly, without any hesitance, no reluctance, no disbelief here. It mattered not to him that it was a small town that the Messiah had grown up in, He knew instantly that he had come to the end of his search. Well, the answer, right? can't any good thing come out of the answer? No, he doesn't get an argument. He doesn't get a debate. He says, come and see. See, in John chapter 6, okay, we see Philip kind of is the bean counter, so to speak, where maybe there's a little bit of a little faith. Yeah, it, it be analytical and just kind of observing. Just when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto you, Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Okay, you notice Jesus immediately goes to Philip. He asked Philip. It wasn't like he just asked the other apostles. He asked Philip, okay? When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 pity worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. He already had the math figure in his head and said, You know what, what we have here is not going to be enough to feed this crowd. And so, why did Jesus single Philip out? You know, it says to prove him, to to test him. You know, what Philip was, it appears to be maybe the apostolic administrator, so to speak, the bean counter. It's likely that he was in charge of maybe arranging the meals and the logistics uh, on their trips. Now, I don't know this for sure. This is just just a little bit of trying to read in between the lines by the different appearances we do see of Philip. Um, we know Judas was the one in charge of the money, he was the treasurer, so he wasn't, uh, Philip wasn't in that spot, but it appears that Philip was the one they would go to to make the different arrangements. And we, at least from this passage we see that he was the type of person, maybe at every meeting, and he didn't know here if it was every meeting, but just kind of give some application, that there can be those people that at every meeting that says, I don't think we can do that. That they always think of the hurdles. And you know, my wife will say, I'm that kind of person. So for all these different ideas <coughs> and stuff, and then I'll be analyzing and looking into problems, not to try and shoot down the idea just to kind of count the cost, or Jesus count the cost. But sometimes how that translates is to my wife, is I'm saying all the time, that won't work, and we can't do it. And so that's where instead of our analytical a little bit, we gotta be careful in how we communicate um, to our spouse so it doesn't look like we're just that killjoy type of person. Okay? So we don't wanna be that kind of person, that's always like, we can't do it that way, okay? Okay, we need sometimes to get some other feedback and stuff, and you know what, and sometimes it's me giving in, okay? You know, so many people say, oh, the pastor, you know what, I need someone to That doesn't mean that I have the best brains and everything, okay? Sadly, we admit. Okay? Um, but you know what, like, just you know the world gone come back. Paul would saying, you know what, I think, you know what, we should do better with the fan and the ceiling. Now it's like, you know how we can really do that. It's a sheetrock. It's already cut where it's at. And so I, you know what, and he brings it up a second time. Okay, you know, respectfully brings it up a different time. You know, I really think I can be able to patch that up. Good. Now, we're not finished yet, so we didn't of it in the pudding yet, but I think it will be. <laughs> it actually looks very nice with how smooth he got it to be there that it's going to look like it was never cut. And so, see, at first I'm like, hey, you know, I don't want we to do that. Uh, I just don't want it to look ah. Oh. Um, where it looks like, oh, there's this little patch there, And so sometimes, you know what, having, again, having more than one to at things. You know, you process things um, differently. And I'm thankful we did that because now it looks great right there in the ceiling and it will circulate all the air better. And it's going to be nice, ladies, because before you had no circulation in there. You know what, there was a fan there that did not go on and then where it went to was a block wall. And so why it was the I don't know. Maybe there was water wandering into it before, but now it's in, and now it goes above the ceiling instead of just through the wall and out the wall like it was before. And so praise the Lord for that. But you know, you know we don't want to be the one in me that's always like, we can't do that. We want to try to get to where, hey, you know what? Let's have faith, and let's try and see, faith, how we can get it. Say if it's something with the funniness? Okay, you know what? We can go with prayer. You know what? Hey, don't have the funds to do this or that. But you know what? Let's go with the Lord in prayer. Let's pray about it. Let's seek God's face. And you know Let's go ahead and try a plan and ask God to bring things through. If God does it, then okay. But you know what? Having some vision. But again, we do need to be encounters in church. We do need to sometimes see what are some of the hurdles so we are ready for them when they come. Because there's nothing like running into a hurdle and not seeing it, okay? That's not going to be very comfortable as you fall down on the track and um, stumble. And um, sometimes that happens, you get back up and keep running. Okay? Right, so Jesus was testing him to find out what he was thinking. It wasn't to find out what he was thinking. Jesus already knew what Philip was thinking. He wasn't asking for a plan in John says Jesus also already knew what he himself was going to do. Okay, so this so wasn't like he's like, I don't know what we're going to do, so how are you doing? He was testing Philip to challenge his faith. You know, one of the supreme essentials of leadership is a sense of vision and faith. But Philip wisdom says what counting beans, it can't be done. And so, like, when the crowd started to move in. He was already doing estimates. There was no fast food franchise where go going that I'm aware on that mountainside. So by the time Jesus asked a question, Philip already had his calculations prepared. He says 200 penny worth. you know what? that's not going to be enough. And so instead of thinking, what a glorious occasion Jesus is going to teach his crowd. You know, you think that's how these two people are getting know, she's going have such a crown to teach you what a tremendous opportunity for the Lord. But instead, he looked at how impossible the situation looked. See with the policies and procedures type guy, okay? John chapter 12 gives us another insight into Philip's character. In verse 20 it says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship and defeat the same came, therefore, to Philip, which, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip come up and tell of Andrew, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Okay, so it's possible here that he was concerned a lot about the methods and the prodigal, that he lacked the boldness and vision to bring them to Jesus on his own. It could be, you know, maybe that was the policy, maybe that was the procedure where, hey, we go to Andrew. But I think it was, he knew Andrew was good at bringing in Jesus, as we talked to people before. Always was bringing people in Jesus. But there were things that Jesus had said earlier that could have been why maybe there was a hesitance to just bring him to Jesus directly. Um, and so this kind of appears he may have been in charge of some of the operations that the men chose to come to Philip um, to arrange a meeting. It's possible, okay, and once want to speak, um, dogmatically, but it's possible he was too timid and a little apprehensive because of following the policy, following the manual, so to speak. Um, I'll give you some examples. It's not a complex request, but yet Philip seems to have been unsure what to do with it. If he checked the manual on Gentiles and Jews, remember, this isn't just Jewish people coming to Jesus. This is Gentiles whom the Jews consider to be unclean, to all be pagans. And so, but uh, he may have been paying attention earlier and heard these things. Um, these twelve, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not but go no, rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That may happen in the back of his mind. Okay, Jesus had said, don't go anywhere. Oh, Jesus went through the Samaritans saying, yeah, no. this is a particular time, purpose, Jesus is saying, at this moment, don't go to the Gentiles. Okay, don't go into the Samaritans. Okay, okay, It's first, he was gonna go to the Jews. Okay, he says, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's in Matthew 15, 24. And so, was that principle meant to forbid Gentiles from ever being introduced to Jesus? No. Jesus was simply identifying the normal priority of his ministry in the beginning. Okay, so, and the Romans 2, 10 says, to the Jew first and also... To the Greek. It was a general principle, not an ironclad law. Greeks and other Gentiles were especially included among those whom he ministered to. He ministered to the Samaritan um, woman um, and went well, and she went and told all the men about Jesus, which, which he had said and what he had known. And so Jesus himself originally revealed that he was the Messiah to the Samaritan woman. But in this other time, Jesus told do not to go. So it's possible, okay, this is just speculation. I like to separate what okay, the Bible says is automatically true. And it's maybe kind of gathering in info, order to try to observe what we have um, here, okay? People like Philip, though, don't appreciate general rules of fun. They want every rule to be rigid and inviolable. Like growing up, that's kind of how I was. You know, as an assistant pastor, as an intern, I wanted everything to be black and white. But you know what? There were sometimes, you know, coming to realize, some of the areas are a little bit gray. And so, you know, it would be white and white, where it's black and white, and where it's gray, where maybe something deals with preferences to understand, you know, what? They're preferences and not necessarily hardcore doctrine. Okay? But there was no. Prodigal in the manual for introducing Greeks to Jesus. He had not seen that yet. Philip wasn't prepared to do something so unconventional. Nonetheless, Philip did have a good heart, and then we see that he did take the Greeks to Andrew, and Andrew would bring anyone to Jesus as we read about him. And so Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus that there were Gentiles here to meet you. And so this way no one could fall. Philip, for one, for not going by the book, so to speak. After all, Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus, and Andrew would get to blame if anyone objected to the Gentiles coming. Um, was it the right thing to bring those Greeks to Jesus? Absolutely. Jesus himself welcomes all comers to drink freely of the water of life. And now we see things in hindsight where we're able to see all of this in Revelation 17, where the Bible says, whosoever will may come take the water of life freely. And so it would have been wrong to turn those men away. And so Philip seemed to know that in his heart, even if his head was Look, what's the proper procedure? We see that salvation, we see that he did have times where he questioned, where he had doubt. The Bible teaches that salvation is exclusively through Jesus Christ. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay, we see it. Jesus makes an it claimant deity. If he had known me, he should have known my Father also. And from henceforth forth we know him, and have seen him. Jesus is saying that he is basically a manifestation of the Father. That Yes, they're distinct, but he, as he says, my Father and I are one. And so he says, if you've seen me, then basically you've seen the Father. But, of course, this would be Jesus in the flesh. The Bible says, no man has seen God the Father in spirit and live. Um, we do see that he revealed himself. The Bible says, where he had Mo- Moses in the cliff of the rock, and then um, he was uh, high in his face, and then that God, the Father, um, came in spirit with his back part showing. What that all means in the spirit realm, I have no idea. But we see we see that, but then he's shown um, his face um, was bright. We see Philip, was a little doubt here. He Philip said, hey, Lord, show us the Father, and it's the face of us. When Jesus already said, I've shown you him. So he's kind of questioning. Now Philip had already embraced Jesus as Messiah. Christ was urging him to take his faith to its logical conclusion. Philip was already in the presence of the living and eternal God Himself. He did not need to see any greater miracles. Jesus had revealed the Father's Him. He was slow to understand, slow to trust at times, you know it. How are we going to feed all of these people? But you know, again, Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves is how Jesus did. it. Jesus didn't need to have an exact count number how we need to feed. But he had times of doubt um, beyond immediate circum- circumstances, but he, he still often wanted more proof. For three years, Philip had gazed into the very face of God, and it still was not clear to him. His earthbound thinking, his materialism, his skepticism, his obsession with counting the beings, his preoccupation with business details, had shut him off from a full apprehension of whose presence <coughs> he had in Georgia, And how much we could see ourselves possibly in him. And yet God still greatly used him. And God must induce you. You know, there might be times where you have doubts, but God does not give up on working in us. The Bible says, He which have begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. And he would say if we were to interview Philip for the role that Jesus called him, you know, he possibly would say "He's out. You can't make him one of the 12 most important people in the history of the world. But Jesus said, he's exactly what I want, that's who I want, you know, my strength is made perfect in weakness, as he would tell Paul later, you know, he'll make him into a preacher, he'll be part of the foundation of the church, he'll be a ruler in the kingdom and give him an eternal reward in heaven. And then as Jesus would write his name on one of the 12 gates of the New Jerusalem, as Revelation speaks about. And so thankfully, the Lord uses people like Philip, people that are overly analytical sometimes. But again, as a gift to the church. It's good to have analytical people. Even if we don't understand it, okay? I understood this math equation the way I read it, not the way Andrew said it. But Andrew has the scientific, mathematical um, way to get it done. So it's good to have those kinds of people on. See, I had a question. He was already thinking, right, things then, and things. And tradition tells us that Philip was greatly used in the spread of the early church, that he was among the first of the apostles to suffer martyrdom um, shortly after James. Um, he died at Heracolis in Pythagorea, part of Asia Minor, and that through his preaching, Philip converted the wife of the, um, the proconsul of the city. It's kind of like the, if I understand correctly, kind of like the mayor um, of the city. And this enra- enraged him, the, the husband, or the, the guy in charge, um, and he had Philip, Bartholomew, and Miriam, his sister, tortured. Philip, the Lord, then crucified upside down, and Philip preached from the cross, well, upside down. And so, then, and it said, it's just history, the Bible doesn't speak of this, it's just what some historic traditions speak of, and that before it's death, multitudes came to Christ under his preaching. So when I was overly analytical, well, you know, God used you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift, it's not a weakness. You no know, one becomes a weakness when it, we become overly um, compulsive with it. But then we see that whatever our weakness is, God will be able to turn it around for strength God will use it to challenge our faith. And you know, there may be things in your life that God challenges you in your faith. Let that grow your faith. Don't be like, you know, no, God, it can't be done. It just does not make sense. You know what? it was saying? Now you say, I'm it, it going say, it, yeah. Now he says, you know what? My thoughts are not as your thoughts. My ways are not as your ways. That my ways are higher than your ways. And so that's where we need to trust God in things. As God is leading in our life, as God is leading in our church. That, that we, yes, we want to count the cost as Jesus taught in principle, but we also want to be able to have the faith to see God do the, the apostle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would work in our midst. That um, you would help us to be able to see answers to prayer, to see things that maybe don't make sense to us, except for the trusting in a all-powerful God uh, can get things done. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would work in our midst as this, this year concludes and into the new year, Lord. Just pray, Lord, that you use our church in a greater way in the community, in a greater way in our outreach, and reaching out and uh, being the lighthouse. Not to be a lighthouse or a light that's under a bushel, Lord, but to be that light that shines. And, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you will says, whoever of these apostles we may be more similar to, we do have this confidence that we see you use every single one of them um, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, God bless you. You know, again, Wednesday night, we have our Uncovering the Dinosaurs, so be of that we say at 6 o'clock, and come up with maybe some different ideas for some brainstorming um, for this new year. And also next Sunday, Baptism Sunday, so if you haven't to baptize yet, uh, let me know and get that as word of what God see.